This is Evan from Denver, and I'd rather look at a leaning IKEA table than listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Back in the saddle again after our one-episode break. This is finally episode 160 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, eager to do this episode, my lovely co-host, who eventually will be named Bernie Page. <laughs> <laughs> That took long enough. Well, it's like riding a bike, I suppose, that, you know, there's a little, there's kinks to be worked out after having not done a show mm. last, uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Forget that we're on 160 and just, <laughs> we forget to do one show and now we forget yeah, what, what the process is I have is no like. muscle memory for, right. for, for this, uh, for this show business. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, we are here and I tell you, skipping one show creates a mess because there's a lot of shit to cover yeah a mess of information yes yes there's all kinds we take one day off and the speaker of the house quits his job new polling data comes out the goddamn pope decides to visit america Mm -hmm. all kinds of crazy shit goes on yes what a mess it is a mess but while we were off that day we went to Universal Studios Hollywood and had a good time. Yeah, it was a very good time. It it, it amazes me, though. Well, it doesn't, I guess it, it kind of explains it. It doesn't really amaze me. But how expensive shit is at those. I mean, you think it's expensive when you go when you go to in an airport. Mm-hmm. But it's ridiculous. So let's just go ahead and talk about it. We... <laughs> We paid $53 yes. to eat chicken nuggets. Two two orders of chicken nuggets. It was two chicken nugget combos and a chicken sandwich combo. Yeah. Well, they were like chicken tenders, I guess you could say. That makes it sound better, but still. And the the sodas that it came with, there was some sort of chip in them. Yeah. So, very fascinating to me. I was enamored by it right so what happened was you put it in that machine where you know you set your cup down and it's the fancy looking machine with like the touch screen and you push the you know what kind of soda you want and you can pick all the you know 10 million flavors and you fill up your cup and then if you try to go refill it says nope you've already filled this cup before like it knows right there's a we didn't figure it out until the end of the meal but there's like a little rfid um, sticker on the bottom of the cup that, that numbers that cup. Right. And I had never seen that before. And we honestly didn't know that it was going to be that expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy. Well, to be honest, you also got a beer. I did get a beer. So A Duff beer, like from the Simpsons. They, a real Duff beer. Not like Bud Light that they just slap a Duff label on. It's real Duff beer. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I the only one who thinks that is awesome? It's no. 
you're you're not. Everyone thinks it's awesome. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I sense insincerity there? No, so, but it was a really fun time. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing how much this stuff costs, you know? Yeah, ridiculous. Um, and, and when you're there, you know, you kind of have to eat because it's inconvenient to leave the park, deal with the parking, take your car, you know, off the lot, go find somewhere to eat, then come back. Like, it's a tremendous hassle. And they know that. They know you don't have options. Right. And so they gouge you. They, then they really do too. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And was it even very tasty? No, it was not. No, it was not. It was Cletus's chicken shack <laughs> in the Simpsons land. The, yeah, Simpsons land. Which would explain the Duff beer. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're back, and that shouldn't be happening any longer for quite a while. But hopefully, we will uh, let you know a little bit, little with a little bit more warning. Than we did this time. What do yes. you say? Yeah, yeah, that would be ideal. All right. Well, let's get into this. Uh, before we do, though, let me drop the phone number 657 464 7609. That is our voicemail line. If you'd like to sound off about whatever, you can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Before we get into anything, though, we received. Uh, one or two days ago, our very first one-star review on iTunes. We did. And it is a red-letter day because, (laughs) listen, I don't mind (laughs) honest critique of the show. There's obviously room for improvement with, with what we do. Always. Absolutely. But if you're going to if you're going to level accusations or have a problem with the show that would lead you to give us a one star review or rating, as it were, I would hope that it would be something that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read the review? Okay, so the title is Baffled. Yeah, I I too am <laughs> baffled. Why would two people that do not get along? Record a podcast. (laughs) It is so difficult to listen to these two argue constantly. (laughs) They don't even like each other. I can't agree with what they are saying, but how they are saying it is so contentious that I have to turn it off. And yes, that's where they put the commas. Please, guys, quit hating each other or change the cast of characters. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where to go. I really want the audience to sound off on this. Again, 657-464-7609. Put it on the Facebook page. Tweet us. What in the hell do you think this person, L, what's the name again? L. Samaroff. L. Samaroff. What in the fiddling fuck were they thinking when they to say that Brittany and I argue and are contentious with one another all the time? Yeah. I can think of a handful of times that it's gotten even heated at all. I don't I don't think it's even ever been heated. <laughs> right. Um so that's confusing, but what do they what do they want from me? They want me to sit here and and be a delicate lady and not have a differing yes. opinion or That sounds real good. Because what a great show it would be if we just sat around S in each other's D's for <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes. 
<laughs> is that what that person wants to hear? Wow. Just, Jesse, that's a great point. Wow. Yeah, it is, Brittany. I love that point you just made. <laughs> great point, guys. We're doing great work today. We would have to call it the toot in our own, ho- our, our own horn show. I know. <laughs> and they oh, say... excuse me, Brittany. Let, pause in making your point so I can toot your horn for you. <laughs> and they say, um, I can agree with what they are saying, right? So, so they're like, I agree with them. Yeah. So I like that part. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But they just argue all the time. <laughs> That's just confusing. So bizarre. Also, part of moving the conversation forward, right, which is what is said on the show all the time, is the fact that people are going to disagree. And even the listeners are going to disagree with things that we might say. And me and you won't agree. And that's the way it sometimes might happen. And that's fine. I think it's pretty well established that many, many members of our audience don't agree with a lot of what I say. But it's the fact that we can have the conversation that matters so much. Having the conversation is the battle. Not changing one another's minds, although that's an extra benefit. Yes. It's having the conversation civilly that is the beautiful thing. And we've never (laughs) on this show ever been uncivil to one another. No, I can't even remember being mad shut up Brittany. that's bullshit so i can't even <laughs> i can't even muster it yeah i'm i'm so confused and i don't mean to completely s on this person but i really don't understand what they are talking about and i tried to think about it i really did and and so i think you know maybe on this latest episode when me and you kind of got into it the back and forth about the pope when you mm, were you know mm-hmm. you're saying everyone's a terrible person and that you know annoys me when you do that yeah but it's not like i was angry or you know it's it's just a disagreement yeah i don't get it and so i'm sorry if it's difficult for that person to listen to me having a differing opinion so l samaroff if you're still listening goddamn i would love to have you on the show to talk about what exactly it was and all the different times that have accumulated in your mind to make you think that we argue all the time that would be spectacular Although, I won't hold my breath. In other communication news, but good news, we have a new patron, supporter, Barbara, and she left us a message through Patreon that we want to read. Barbara says, When I went to download today's episode, at first, Downcast, the app I use, didn't show I had an episode for Monday. I felt a twinge of outrage. I have been expecting my episode. As Downcast finally got its act together and started downloading the episode, that's when I said, hey, if you're that addicted to the show and start having actual expectations, it's time to put a little money where your expectations are. So although I wish it could be more, I'm doing my little part to keep the conversation moving forward. This is particularly ironic because I co-hosted a podcast for four years back in the earliest days of podcasting, 2006 to 2010. Yeah, pioneer. I used to get pissed off at listeners who would harangue us when episodes for a free podcast were late. Free podcasts we put hours and hours of work into for every episode. So, guess it's time to stop being a hypocrite and start ponying up. We very much appreciate your support through Patreon. And and even more, we appreciate your support through your listenership, yes, Barbara. Listen, awesome. I mean, despite the fact that 
Jesse and I hate each other and we argue constantly. We <laughs> really appreciate you looking past throats. that. <laughs> yeah. And also how ironic that the the episode that you were having trouble downloading was the four minute and 14 second episode of us telling you there wasn't going to be an episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer for Barbara. So thank you very much. We really appreciate it. If you too would like to join Barbara and our other Patreon supporters, you can go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. So like I mentioned earlier, it has been the goddamn Pope show on CNN and Fox News and all of the others for three solid excruciating days. It's been miserable. They're showing Catholic services. They are, it's just, they're showing him leave the Pope mobile and go, you know, play with kids and talk to people. And they're acting like, they're acting like Jesus came back and they're covering it as though he's some kind of deity. Mm -hmm. It is bizarre. It is very odd. Part of the lunacy is not just the coverage, though. There is a Democratic congressman who apparently is a nutter Catholic who, after the Pope gave his speech to a joint session of Congress, you know, uh, when you speak, you have a glass of water, much like I do now while just doing the show. We have a glass of water to, you know, if you get a little parched, <laughs> you can, you know, wet your whistle. Yes. Wet your Pope whistle. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. That doesn't, no. No, he wets his Pope no, whistle. No, stop saying it. <laughs> it he is wetting that whistle. All right. That's... Real good. Okay. I'm at a Pope. Let's not get I'm super. I'm going the whistle. Let's not, let's not get super contentious here. All right. Let's take it down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. The Pope, wetting his whistle, has a glass of water there. Doesn't finish the whole glass of water. After the speech, this wacky nutter butter congressman wa- runs up there and snatches. Yoink! He, he, he snatches. What other way to say it? Okay. The glass. Here, here's the story. Rep. Bob Brady, Democrat. Yes. He took the glass back to his office where he then drank out of it. And then he held it up for his wife, Deborah. There's photos of all of this, by the way. They were documenting. They were chronicling the, the kookiness. Right. So he gave it to his, his wife, Deborah, so she could drink from it as well. And then handed it off to his staff members so they could drink from it as well. Quote, how many people do you know that drank out of the same glass as the Pope? He boasted to the Philadelphia Daily News. <laughs> He then poured the water into a bottle so he can later sprinkle it on his four grandchildren and uh, one great grandchild. Cuckoo. Yeah. So he said, cuckoo. well, yeah. So he says, quote, anything the Pope touches becomes blessed. Oh, okay. And he says, that's what he thinks. And no one's going to change his mind. Oh, that, that is, I love that. This is what I think. And nobody's going to change my mind. So he he also elected representative, a congressman, and not really from a hillbilly area, but it's just such a hillbilly thing to say that I believe this, and you can't change my mind on it. Okay, listen though, this isn't the first time that he's done this. He's stolen other papal 
drinking implements? No, no. He stole a water glass used by President Obama during his first inauguration. Really? Yes. He, so he he loves to steal water vessels. He said he didn't drink out of, you know, Barack Obama's, but he did keep it in a cabinet at home. So he's collecting various water glasses that people have. <laughs> what a weirdo. It's a, it's a little odd, but, you know, he likes the water glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, man. You know, I don't drink after anybody. Yeah, you are. You're more. You're a germaphobe. You're, it, you're a famed germaphobe on the show. I will only drink after people that I, you know, am doing things with. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's getting real personal now. Mm. Where's my waka chaka waka chaka music? Oh, yeah. And I've always been like that. Doing, I doing stuff. Anyway, so I remember when I was younger and like in middle school. When and you were doing stuff no, then too? No, and people would, <laughs> they would share their cans of soda and they would pass it around and they would say, take your friends. And that meant like take the last bit of juice when, in the rim. When we were kids, it was uh, suck the gutter. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And it's meaningless. You're still drinking after all these dirty mouth kids. Right. And the dirty mouth Pope, you don't know what he's doing just because uh, he's yeah. the Pope. He's he's a just a guy, by the way. Really? Like you need to clarify that? He's just a guy, everybody. What if he <laughs> what if he doesn't floss? What if he, you know, doesn't brush his teeth very often? You don't know what's going on in there. Yeah, well, Jesus is gonna keep that holy mouth real good. We'll see. Real good. Well, well listen, I don't mean to to toot my own horn. I think the audience knows how much I don't like to toot my own horn. Mm. But uh, uh I mean me. I mean, yes, tootin', Jesse. Toot, tootin' the horn. Oh, yes. You are so right, sir. I have talked about how this pope, who liberals love to just heap praise upon, and they gush about how wonderful he is. They love how him. How progressive he is, because he believes that global warming is an actual thing. Wow, what a, what a progressive, wonderful person that he believes it, it, something that's scientific. Well, this pope, he... Uh, he still believes and says that workers have the right to refuse gay marriage licenses as conscientious objectors. And Holy Father, do you also support those individuals, including government officials, who say they, they cannot in good conscience, their own personal conscience, abide by some laws or discharge their duties as government officials, for example, in issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples. He's going to answer in Italian and then I'll translate later. Io non posso avere in mente tutti i casi che possono esistere in oggezione di coscienza, ma sì posso dire che l'oggezione di coscienza è un diritto e entra in Eh, ogni diritto umano è un diritto e se una persona non permette fare l'oggezione di coscienza nega un diritto 
en, eh, en ogni estructura judiciaria debe entrar en objeciones de conciencia porque es un derecho, un derecho humano. So, what he said there, and I just, I guess I let that go in Italian, just so if there's any listener, listeners out there who can speak Italian, they could listen and, and interpret it themselves. But what he said was, I can't remember all cases that exist or that can exist about conscientious objection. But yes, I can say that conscientious objection is a right, and it is a part of every human right. It is a right. And if a person does not allow others to be a conscientious objector, he denies a right. Conscientious objection must enter into every judicial structure because it is a right, a human right. So he is standing up for someone, an elected official, a government employee, to not do their job because they feel whatever way about the issue. So he's calling Kim Davis a conscientious objector, which typically, in my mind, has always been somebody who doesn't want to go to war and kill because they have a moral predilection toward killing, whether it be in war or, or otherwise. So, so to, it's pretty clear he was directly speaking about... Well, the question, I think, was directly asked. You know, he's just going to answer the question. About Kim Davis. Right. So to further the tooting of my own glorious horn, it, it came out yesterday, or was it today, that Kim Davis actually got an audience with Pope Francis at the Vatican's request. They called her on her party line, you know, rotary dial phone at home. To, to ask her to come to Washington, D.C. so they could meet with her. So the Pope, the Vicar of Christ, could meet with Kim Davis. Kentucky clerk and controversial same-sex marriage opponent Kim Davis says she not only met with Pope Francis, the Holy Father thanked her. Davis tells Good Morning America she was stunned when she first got the call from Vatican officials. She says the meeting took place in Washington while the Pope was in the United States. He told me before he left, he said, stay strong. And that was a great encouragement. Just knowing that the Pope is, is on track, you know, with what we're doing and agreeing, you know, kind of validates everything. I've weighed the cost and I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. Some are wondering, though, if the pair actually did meet. Check out this confusing non-statement from the Vatican. It says, quote, we do not confirm or deny the story. There will be no statement. Davis says, though, she has photographs to prove it. With me now, Vatican correspondent Delia Gallagher. She's in Rome. So what happened? Well, what happened is what the Vatican told us this morning, that maybe it happened and maybe it didn't happen. They're not confirming. They're not denying, Carol. Um, what we can say is that the Pope in general supports conscientious objectors. So you would say, well, why doesn't he come out and just say it one way or the other? Probably the Vatican wants to avoid getting involved further in some kind of a high-profile debate uh, about the particularities of Kim Davis's situation. We know, Carol, if you remember, when the Pope was leaving the U.S., he gave an interview on the papal plane, and he was asked specifically about conscientious objection for government officials. That was the explicit question 
or follow-up question uh, by the journalist, and he said, you know, conscientious objection is a human right. It should be allowed for by law, and it includes uh, government officials. So the Vatican has confirmed that... That's right. That, Since that report on CNN. That clip is not current. Dated. Yes. <laughs> they have come out and said, because they were getting probed over... I, maybe that's a bad term. Not probed. Prod. No, not prodded. They uh, questioned diligently about the matter to, to the point that they had to come out and just... They confirmed it. And Pope Francis gave Kim Davis rosaries, told her to stay strong. Kim Davis said that she put her hand out and he reached and grabbed it and she hugged him and he hugged her and thanked her for her courage. She said she had tears coming out of her eyes, quote, I'm just a nobody. So it was really humbling to think he would want to meet or know me. Uh, she is just the worst. The worst. Well, think about this. So for people who love Pope Francis, think about this. Of all the people that he could meet with. Ally himself with. He met with Kim Davis. That's right. And her husband. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I know that he, to us, he doesn't mean anything. But to Catholics, you know, when he goes and he visits these children or, he, you know, he could have gone to like a children's hospital or he could have gone... He could have gone somewhere where people would have been excited to see him and it would have been meaningful and right. he wouldn't have been supporting someone who is actively trying to harm other people by discriminating against them. And Denying them basic civil rights. Right. It's just a weird, it's a very strange thing that I'm very confused by because Kim Davis is not a compassionate person. She's not a compassionate woman. And he took the time to meet with her and say, thank you for your courage. Right. What? He is bolstering her position. In her own mind now, She's she is more righteous than she was before. Well, we didn't talk about this last time because there wasn't a last time. But she also was on the show on Fox News with Megyn Kelly. And Megyn had some very pointed questions to ask her. What religious doctrine or belief is it that you feel compels you not to do this? Well, the Christian faith, you know, God's word states that a marriage is between one man and one woman that, you know, and, and, and that's what rules my faith, you know. Now, you've heard your critics. They say, and we covered it in the piece, your critics say you two are a sinner, that you were married four times, twice to the same man, but divorced three times, that you had uh, an affair while married, that you had children out of wedlock, and they look at you and say, who are you to judge others? To them, you say what? I've not judged anybody. I have. Uh... Hey, hang on. I've not judged anyone. You've judged the gays and lesbians of your county. You've judged them not worthy of a marriage certificate, of a marriage license. You are absolutely judging others. give my life to Christ. I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And that's available to anybody that wants that. My sins are forgiven. They are thrown into a sea of forgetfulness from the time I gave my life to him. Do I, do I still sin? Maybe ever now and then, you know, we're all flesh. We tend to say things maybe we don't um, 
maybe say things that we shouldn't say or, or you know, act in a way that's unbecoming, get angry, you know, without cause. But that's what repentance is all about. You know, you ask God to forgive you and you, and you, and you vow not to do it anymore, you know. But we are flesh. To say that I'm a sinner, you know, I guess that's somebody judging me. What about the, the, the couple with whom you had the confrontation? They said, we felt humiliated. We felt like second-class citizens. Can you understand that, that point of view? I, when they first came in, they demanded that, that I talk to them. Nothing would do them, and they had cameras going and everything. And uh, so when I was talking to them, they wanted to know why I would not issue them the marriage license. And I simply told them about when God created earth, he spoke everything into existence. They said they went to get their marriage license pursuant to the law, and they didn't want a, quote, lecture in religion. They wanted to know the reason why I wouldn't issue one, and I gave them the reason. Mm -hmm. Do you think, you know, the, the argument on the other side is, well, if we're going to give a religious accommodation to someone like Kim Davis, then we're going to have to give a religious accommodation to an untold number of people, to Catholics who don't want to issue a license to somebody who's been divorced but was married in a Catholic church and didn't get it annulled, to a Muslim clerk who doesn't want to sanction the, the, the marriage of a Christian to a Muslim and so on. Can you understand that argument? Well, <clears throat> I could if I thought it was a valid argument because for simply the fact is that marriage is defined as one man and one woman. Um, where? Not only where, because it's, it, it's not defined, but she's not answering the question. What about a Muslim clerk who decides he or she doesn't want to issue marriage licenses to his constituency because he or she doesn't believe that Muslims and Christians should be married because it's in the Quran. Right. She doesn't answer. Mm -hmm. She goes to one man, one woman again, which there isn't a scripture she can point to. She just says the God, the word of God states this. It's just that talking point that you always hear. That's right. It's not like black and white. You're not talking about a racial issue. You're not talking about, um, I'm just talking about marriage in general. But other, as, but other people in other religions have their own definitions of marriage and their own beliefs on who can and cannot marry. So the critics say this is a slippery slope if we're going to bend the law or the rules for one person with one set of objections, then we're going to have to do it for a bunch of people with other So objections. you have millions of Christians who object this whole same-sex marriage issue are their rights invalid are their rights not worth anything so who's who i don't even i'm <laughs> like i'm so confused well who, who's what do you mean their rights what, what rights are of theirs are being violated by letting two dudes marry one another right how in the fuck does it affect their rights they're allowed to be married just like the two dudes or the two gals are. It is maddening. Yeah. I think there's just a, like four seconds left. I mean, it's a valid point and it's a fight that's worth fighting for. Uh, the worst, Brittany. I'm not going to say that Kim Davis is a terrible person. But I'm going to say in my mind when I think about what a terrible person is... 
Kim Davis comes to mind. Well, I just, I really dislike the majority arguments. Yes. Oh, there's so many people that feel this way. Could have been made in the 50s, yeah. in the 60s. Okay, great. That That's completely meaningless. Completely I don't know meaningless. how many people hear that argument and think, oh, mm-hmm, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people do feel that way. We should go with what the majority is thinking. Right. No. What if the majority believes that, that every third male child in every family should be murdered? Obviously, that's outlandish, but majority does not make it so. We have a constitution and a rule of law and a system of law in our country for that very reason. That just because the majority wants something, they don't get it if it violates the constitution. In this case, it does. The 14th Amendment. Ugh. The worst, Brittany. The worst. So back to the Catholic question, though. Pew Research posted an article about this. It's uh, what's a sin? And it kind of goes into how there are there is a large faction of Catholics that are out of step with the different policies, I guess, of their 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 own faith. Pope Francis has publicly urged Catholics to receive the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, or confession, reminding them that, quote, we are all sinners. <laughs> and the shame associated with sin is, quote, a grace that prepares them for God's forgiveness. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. Despite the pontiff's entreaties, only about 4 in 10 U.S. Catholics, 43%, say they go to confession at least once a year. And 28% say they never go. Wow. And so... How, how are they able to be forgiven by a man, a common man, in a booth without going and sitting there and spilling their guts? So roughly 9 in 10 U.S. Catholics, 89%, do believe that some actions are offensive to God. Most American adults, 78%, believe the same, including 91% of Protestants. At the same time, however, many American Catholics do not agree with church teachings on what constitutes sinful behavior in several areas. The recent Pew Research survey finds that U.S. Catholics are divided on homosexual behavior, with 44% saying it is sinful and 39% saying it is not. Wow. A figure that rises to 51% among Catholic adults under the age of 30. So that's, again, where we see the millennials really dropping off right. on that issue. Yeah. Well, I think for, for some reason, some of these Catholics and other religious-type folk are able to compartmentalize, and they're going to stay in their faith as long as they possibly can, even in the face of these terrible human rights violating type of positions that their their particular uh, mythologies take on. Majorities of Catholics say that living with a romantic partner outside of marriage, 54%, and getting a divorce, 61%, are not sinful. And half, 49%, say remarrying after a divorce without first obtaining an annulment is not a sin. I, I don't get that, man. If they really believe that Pope Francis... Benvolio, Harper Oprio, whatever his name is, that if if they really believe that he is the vicar of Christ, the voice of the voice of Jesus on earth, then how why would they not follow what he says and well, just blatantly disagree with positions on what is sin and what is not? Well, I remember I was debating a Catholic one time. This is a couple years ago on Facebook, and I said to this person, you know, 
the Pope, I think he said the Pope is just a man. And I said, what? <laughs> You're Catholic. The Pope is the vicar of Christ. He speaks for Jesus on earth. Right. And what do he say? That he's he's that he doesn't just, believe that. Just a dude, huh? Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> I I'm sitting there thinking you're a Catholic. You're calling yourself a Catholic. Like this is one of the tenets, right? Yeah. Of your faith, I'm very confused. If you don't believe that, then why aren't you just you know an evangelical Christian? So you think that there's a lot of Catholics who don't believe he's the vicar of Christ? I think that. Or do you think that that particular person is just woefully out of touch relative to his or her faith? Well, I don't know. It's just like a lot of the Christians I talk to, they say, you know, I believe in God. And then you you try to have a conversation that goes a little bit deeper. And they don't know a lot about the Bible. They don't really know a lot about the faith. They don't know a lot. I, I think it's one of those things. I never understood that because I was a Christian who was in Christian's ease. It is... It is, I was on fire for Christ. I was, mm-hmm. there's a scripture that talks about being hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm because God will spew you out of his mouth. God will puke you out of his mouth if you are lukewarm. Mm-hmm. So I I wanted to know as much as I could. I was on fire for Jesus. Ugh. Wasn't a fence rider. All these little terms that they say. Right. <laughs> so another interesting one is on birth control. Fully two-thirds of U.S. Catholics, 66% say using artificial birth control is not a sin. Right. Even 57% of the most devout Catholics, those who report attending mass at least weekly, say using contraceptive is not wrong. It's just bizarre to me. I don't get it, man. That's remarkable because that's one of the, the central teachings. Oh, that's a big one, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Anyway, all right, let's get into some politics. But before we do... Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Buckle up, everybody, because there is some good stuff ahead. Dolomocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Once again, Dolomore gets to toot his own horn. I should we should have a segment where I get to just toot my own horn about all the stuff that I'm right about. No, because that will make it real contentious up in here. <laughs> and L Samarov doesn't like that. He would not like that. Or she. It yeah, might we, be a she. Yeah. What what was that? I just have a feeling it's a he and that they don't appreciate <laughs> m- me not being a delicate lady. You you really you just you've you've extracted that that it's the delicate lady thing. Well, do they want you to agree with me all the time? Who who do they want to uh, They didn't say. They want someone to not be disagreeing. <laughs> do you think that they're talking about you? I don't know. I didn't take it that personally. Mhm. Well, here, listen, uh, go and review our show to counteract the the terrible, destructive nature of the one-star <laughs> review from El Samaroff. It's really not that bad. Go and review, everybody. Anyway, polling data, as I predicted after the second debate, and I'm going to, 
in concert with this episode you're listening to right now, I'm going to release the Patreon-only debate. I mean, it's two weeks late. If you are interested in listening to it, it'll be up. So I figure two-week period, if there are the diehards who really want to listen to it, it'll be there for them. Free. So the Patreon people had it for two weeks. Good to go. In that debate episode, I predicted that Donald Trump would see a steady decline in the polls, and it has, it has happened. Now, to where the Republican race stands this morning, and yes, things are getting tighter on that side of the aisle. Donald Trump and Ben Carson are essentially tied at the top. Trump at 21, Carson at 20. Then two more in double digits are Marco Rubio and Carly Fiorina tied at third with 11%. They're followed in high single digits by Jeb Bush, John Kasich, and Ted Cruz. No one else. If you don't see your candidate there, it means they didn't even top 3%. And when we, you compare these numbers, by the way, to where we were in July, you can see that Carson, Rubio, and Kasich all have doubled their support. On the other hand, Bush and Cruz saw their support cut in half. And by the way, there's a name you don't see on the board at all. It was Scott Walker in July. Walker was in second place alone at 15%. And of course, he dropped out of the race less than a week ago. Another big change is for Carly Fiorina. She literally came from nothing. She was at zero to where she is today. So, big movement. Trump at one point was like 32% in the polls, and now he's down to 21%, and I feel that his, his support is going to start eroding. Right, there's only one point between Donald Trump and Ben Carson. And That's it's, huge. It's well within the margin of error, so really, Ben Carson could be statistically ahead of Trump. Right. And in addition to this, uh, numbers were just released on how much money the campaigns have been getting. Right. They're quarterly FEC filings. And Ben Carson's campaign says it raises at least $20 million in the past three months. Wow. That's uh, that's hefty. And Hillary Clinton, for comparison, $28 million yeah, in the past see? three months. Yeah. $20 million's a lot. So just $8 million away from Hillary Clinton. <laughs> that's uh, either a bummer for Hill Dog. Or uh, dog, huh? real good for B car <laughs> for the doc. Uh, okay, <laughs> the man of science. That's right, man of science, man who doesn't believe in evolution. Well, as part of uh, of this polling problem for some of these candidates and polling um, benefit for some, um, Hillary Clinton is one of the ones who's having a problem in the polls. Not only, well, there's probably several reasons. Some, one is the trustability thing, but also it's tied directly to this email thing. Good evening and exclusive interviews on Meet the Press. The only two female presidential candidates answered tough questions about recent controversies and defended their records. Let me make a couple of points. First Still embattled over the email controversy, Secretary Hillary Clinton acknowledged on Meet the Press today the issue isn't going away anytime soon. Well, it is like a drip, drip, drip. And that's why I said there's only so much that I can control. Now, new signs those drips are hurting. The latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll of Democratic primary voters nationwide shows Clinton has lost ground to Bernie Sanders. She leads him by just seven points, 42 to 35 percent a big drop from previous polls. I have done uh, all that I can to you know, take responsibility. But today, Clinton struggled to explain the discovery of a string of work emails sent on her personal account earlier than she said she'd use the address. 
You'd said in March that uh, that the email system began in March of '09, and yet we have the same email address popping up in January. What? What? Explain that discrepancy. There was a transition period. You know, I wasn't that focused on my email account to uh, be clear. And Clinton brushed aside the notion that she set up the account to evade outside oversight, calling that theory ridiculous. She again argued it was done out of convenience. It is the system that my husband's uh, personal office used when he got out of the White House. And so it was sitting there in the basement. It, this is this is problematic that there is now, and I don't know that they really explained this well enough, but there are thousands more pages of emails that are being released to the committee that's investigating this Benghazi thing. Thousands more pages on top of the 55,000 pages that she released that were never released. These are brand new, no one knew about, that directly relate to the Benghazi situation. And she's saying that she cannot explain why these previously undisclosed emails right. weren't there before. Also can't explain why she says the email address started in March of 2009, but it was actually January. So there's a, a two or three month period where emails were being sent and received where she either lied about it or, you know, ultimately didn't tell the tr didn't give accurate information. I also got a news alert today on my phone that said emails show Russia linked hackers tried at least five times to break into Clinton's private email server. Right. So that's, I mean, a, a, another problem with having your personal email in the basement of your goddamn house on a server that you own rather than under government control and able to you know take care of these certain hacking instances it this is very very problematic and if you're a big supporter of Hillary Clinton and you're and you're an open-minded free-thinking individual and not just a Kool-Aid drinker this has to give you pause this has to make you think this could be the nail in her coffin. Well, she's not the only one who is being helped in the polls or hurt in the polls. The other woman is Carly Fiorina. And she, uh, while she is being boosted in the polls because the Republican electorate is out of their minds, she's being boosted in the polls in the face of stupid comments about the Planned Parenthood videos. Meanwhile, the only other woman in the race, Carly Fiorina, is rising. While the latest poll shows Donald Trump still in the lead on the GOP side, Fiorina has jumped from the bottom rungs to third place, tied with Marco Rubio at 11%. Today, Fiorina continued to stand by her accusations that Planned Parenthood officials were caught on camera, keeping a fully formed fetus alive to harvest its brain. It's heart beating, its legs kicking. Several fact checkers have determined Fiorina's account is not true, noting the video uses doctored and unrelated footage. Are you willing now to concede that you exaggerated that scene? No, not at all. That scene absolutely does exist. Still, Fiorina continues to gain traction, a reversal of fortunes for the two female candidates in this race. I think it means that Carly Fiorina is doing a lot of things right at exactly the time that Hillary Clinton is, is uh, either doing things wrong or that the things they're trying aren't sticking yet. 
Fiorina also stood by her record as CEO of Hewlett Packard, which has come under fire because 30,000 people were laid off on her watch. Today, Fiorina said those layoffs were necessary to save the company. Clinton will spend the first part of the week fundraising, while Fiorina will be back on the campaign trail on Tuesday. So we haven't really talked about the Planned Parenthood situation on the show. Right. But I'm sure most of the listeners have heard about it. Sure. And have heard Carly Fiorina talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's not shy about it in giving ostensibly bad information. She also went on a long diatribe at the debate. And I think that's kind of where a lot of this controversy is coming from is that speech she gave at the debate. Yeah, and she's giving bad information. There isn't a... We've watched many, many, many minutes of these these tapes that have been released by this anti-abortion group. I've watched, I think, maybe the first couple of them, the entire videos. Right. And there, everything I've seen, I didn't see any live baby kicking for life. No. While they wait for it to die. No. I, I didn't see that. No, you see parts. Yeah, for sure there are there, you see arms, you right. see hands. Right. They point out that's a spleen, that's mm-hmm. a brain, that's mm-hmm. cranial cranial material. That's right. they do that and it is disturbing. I'm not listen, I'm uh, I'm not pr- crazy pro-choice guy. Like 6 months in, I think my, the audience knows you know, my heart hurts for a little, a little developed fetus that could live on the outside of the womb. I, uh, I just it ugs me out to think about killing or aborting that fetus. But uh, three months in, you know, two months in, a line has to be drawn because at some point it's a baby. I guess I don't want to get off in the weeds here because I am pro-choice. If you, if you have, if you get pregnant, it should be your right to have an abortion, but. You better get to getting because eventually that 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 clump of cells does turn into a baby, and then we got a bigger problem on our hands relative to uh, extinguishing the whatever life form is in there. However, Carly Fiorina doesn't do anybody's case or cause any good by lying and distorting the facts, and that is clearly what she's doing. I saw her campaign manager on one of the talking head shows. And was doubling down, giving the timestamp in the video. It's, oh, it's at 5.56, she kept saying. And I don't know exactly which video, but independent fact checkers have gone through and said, no, that is not the case. But this is giving her a boost in the polls because of that nuttery within the Republican electorate. We've seen it. That's why Ben Carson and Donald Trump are tied, effectively, statistically tied, for first place. These two unreasonable men are leading the Republican field because of the nuttiness within the Republican Party right now. So, you know, it's going to be another couple weeks. We'll have to wait and see what transpires, what comes out of this, what shakes out, but... uh, I mean, off topic, kind of. It's it's adjacent, but Jeb Bush is he's got to be panicking right now. He he has to be that he's one percentage point away. He leads John Kasich by one percentage point, which is great news for me and I think other reasonable conservatives who who like a guy like John Kasich, 
who could bring some common sense to governance and not, you know, just a knee-jerk knucklehead like mm-hmm. these others. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Well, and Jeb Bush hasn't been uh, getting very much money. That's been another problem is the donors have been kind of waiting to see how he's going to be doing in the polls. Right. And it's kind of a situation where, hey, you need to start doing better in order for <laughs> us to give you more money. Right. Because things aren't looking so well for you. No, they're not. So let's let's move on to another uh, presidential candidate real quick. Um, Bernie Sanders. PolitiFact did some fact checking and... He was rated, and this is pretty rare for Bernie Sanders, I think. He was rated false on one of his claims. Mostly false. Well, like I said, if you get mostly true or true, for me, that's true. You get mostly false, false, or pants on fire. It's not good. So he said the largest low-wage employer, quote, is not McDonald's or Walmart, but the U.S. government. (laughs) It's a wacky thing to say. And PolitiFact says this is mostly false. Last week, ahead of Pope Francis's visit to the nation's capital, the senator from Vermont joined low-wage federal contract workers during a strike to advocate for higher wages. During his speech to protesters, Sanders compared the government to the two companies with the largest U.S. workforces, Walmart and McDonald's. Quote, There is no justice in America when the largest low-wage employer is not McDonald's, it is not Burger King. It is not Walmart. It is the United States government. He later tweeted a shorter version of the statement, mentioning only Walmart and McDonald's. PolitiFact wondered whether Sanders was right that the U.S. government is the biggest employer of low-wage workers in the country. While Sanders can find some support in the data, he ignores some important qualifiers. When PolitiFact reached out to Sanders' camp, policy director Warren Gunnels said the claim is based on this 2013 report from Demos, a liberal economic think tank. The report Mm. defines low-wage workers as as those earning below $12 per hour. More critically, the report counts workers who are employed by federal contractors, not those directly employed by the government. Oh, right. Well, that's, that's the problem. You can't count contractors because they employ the people, not the government. The report estimated the number of low-wage workers at McDonald's by using the percentage of low-wage workers in the fast food service industry more generally, while it used a University of California Berkeley report to estimate numbers of low-wage employees for Walmart. McDonald's total U.S. employees, including franchise employees, is 859,978. Wow. McDonald's U.S. low-wage employees, 580,485. That's the low-wage. Wow. Walmart low-wage employees, 901,600. Low-wage workers on federal contracts, 1.9 million. So, but those are on federal contracts. Those are contract employees. They're not employees of the government. Not even common law employment would would, would apply there because they are the employees of a different company. Right. So the number of federal contract workers at nearly 2 million exceeds the number of Walmart and McDonald's workers, which combined is at 1.48 million. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Rothwell, a fellow at the Brookings Institute, said... 
The difference is due to how large the government is in comparison with McDonald's and Walmart. Indeed, if you look at the numbers as percentages, low-wage workers make up less than one-third of the total federal contract workforce. By comparison, the percentage for McDonald's and Walmart are much higher, 67.5% and 64.4% respectively. Quote, it is quite likely that the federal government is the largest vendor of just about every kind of worker, high, medium, and low-wage workers included. It just bums me out that he's, they're being disingenuous with the numbers. They're toying with it, and they know they are. So I hope they get their shit together because it's not, uh, not good to see. But he also had a true statement. Of course he did. That the was most, recently. Yeah. What was it? Well, I guess actually he didn't say it. It was said about him. <laughs> um, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press was fact-checked about a statement he made about Bernie Sanders. He said, quote, Bernie Sanders was there when it came to same-sex marriage 20 years ago. He was there when it wasn't popular, and they gave this a true rating. That's uh, that's big time. I mean, you know, not even our current president, the, the great hope, was there. Or Hillary Clinton. Or Hillary Clinton. They weren't there at all. Even in, in 2011, they weren't there. They were still marriage, traditional marriage proponents. They were no different, no better than Republicans on the issue. Bernie Sanders, however, was. So let's move from one guy who usually tells the truth to one guy who usually does not, who exaggerates and tries to gin up controversy. Well, he's done it again, and it's not Donald Trump. It's Ted Cruz. So it might as well be Donald Trump. Right, his, his, uh, his little lackey. Yeah, uh, Ted Cruz has threatened to kill the Iranian Ayatollah. I'm assuming he did it in, in the course of when he's president, he will do so. In front of a crowd of religious voters on Friday morning, uh, Ted Cruz had some pretty extreme things to say about the Iran nuclear deal. Namely, he threatened to kill Iran's leader if he didn't give up plans for a nuclear program. <laughs> Quote, if the Ayatollah doesn't understand that, we may have to help introduce him to 72 virgins, uh, Cruz said at the annual Values Voters Summit, adding that he would rip the Iran nuclear deal to shreds on his first day in office. That's not how it works. And he knows that. I, just, I wish he would just go away. He's, he has no chance at the nomination just go away and quit using perfectly good oxygen that other candidates could be utilizing. Ugh. Well, in other political news that is not presidential, John Boehner, the perpetually tanned and perpetually teary Speaker of the House, is resigning. Outgoing House Speaker John Boehner had his first exit interview today as he discussed his surprise resignation on Face the Nation. Here's Juliana Goldman. I've got another 30 days uh, to be Speaker. Appearing on Face the Nation, House Speaker John Boehner said he'll have a busy final month and promised there won't be a government shutdown next week. I expect that uh, we might have a little more cooperation from uh, uh, some around town to try to uh, get as much finished as possible. I don't want to leave uh, my successor. Uh, a, uh, a dirty barn. That cooperation is expected from Democrats and not the far-right members of his party whose rebellion led Boehner to make his surprise announcement. Must-do items include long-term spending bills and an extension of the debt limit. 
Failure to complete them before the next speaker takes over raises the risk of a fiscal standoff and a shutdown in December as conservatives demand Congress to fund Planned Parenthood. We got groups here in town, members of the House and Senate here in town, who whip people into a frenzy believing they can accomplish things that they know, they know are never going to happen. Boehner called the conservative faction of his party false prophets and had this to say about one presidential candidate. Is uh, Ted Cruz a false prophet? Uh, listen, you can pick a lot of names out. I'll let you choose them. This latest congressional drama is unfolding in the shadow of the 2016 campaign. A new poll shows Donald Trump and Ben Carson virtually tied, highlighting the appeal of outsider candidates who have surged promising to fight the GOP establishment. Former Republican Congressman Tom Davis says those forces put even more pressure on the next speaker. It doesn't matter who the person is. It could, it could be Superman. These outside forces are still focusing and are polarizing forces within the conference with a Republican grassroots that doesn't want any compromise with Washington. They want somebody to pick up the brick and throw it through the plate glass window. In a nod to conservatives, Boehner said there would be a special committee to investigate Planned Parenthood. Jeff asked what advice he has for his successor. Boehner said, just do the right things for the right reasons. It's not about Hail Mary passes. It's a slow, methodical process. Juliana Goldman, thank you. He is, uh, it's going to be an odd transition. And I wonder, you know, I wonder who they're going to pick. Because if you think, if you think that the Congress was dysfunctional now, if they go a more conservative route, it could be even worse. They could go and shut the government down, and it could be a nightmare. Well, I think the thing that really stands out in that interview is how reasonable John Boehner sounds. Yeah. And how frustrated he sounds with his own party and the people in it. And I thought it was funny when, you know, the interviewer specifically mentioned Ted Cruz. And he's like, well, you can pick many names. I'll go ahead and let you choose. He them. tried to be decent about it. Yeah. He didn't say <laughs> no, sir, not Ted Cruz, which well, is quite telling. He, he later in the interview, it's like a 14 minute interview. We'll put it on the Facebook page. He he did say, I will refer to, I will refer you to my comments I made in a speech in July or something, which in the speech he called Ted Cruz a jackass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he didn't parse words. I mean, he 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 had it drug out of him by the interviewer. So um, I'm sad to see him go. I mean, as, as dysfunctional as the house is, he really was somewhat of a voice of in, uh, a voice of sanity among the crazy, wacky Tea Party uh, element in the Republican Party. So uh, let's end with some good time stuff. I have two things. Well, first, l let's just get to this. This last week, well, they both they both involve Shepard Smith from Fox News. We love us some Shepard Smith on the show. Apparently, Facebook had a problem this last week and Shepard Smith reported on it in true Shepard Smith fashion. Use uh, Facebook's down. Yeah, that's 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 supposed to be Facebook there. It's Facebook's not working. So if you're all narcissistic and want to share every bit of your life with the rest of the world, <laughs> uh, they don't care anyway. And a few minutes off Facebook will not kill you. That said, Facebook is down. Please panic uh, and tweet about it. Uh, maybe you could start an Instagram story. Because those things are working, thankfully. 
But Facebook is not working. Not right now. Facebook not working. Be very afraid. <laughs> I just love Shep. He's great. He livens things up on the old TV. He certainly does. So that will lead us to wrapping up the show with this. Taking care of biz. A NASA. A what? NASA. Oh, NASA. The the National Aeronautic and Space Administration. You would know. I might know. NASA has discovered signs of liquid water on Mars. Oh, yeah. Big news. Quote, Mars is not the dry, arid planet we thought. NASA official Jim Green announced, liquid water has never been detected outside of Earth. NASA found evidence that water formed dark streaks on the Martian surface. Quote, the discovery we're talking about today is most exciting because it suggests it would be possible for life to be there today. Wow. Well, Shepard Smith, the aforementioned Shepard Smith, also reported on this matter. We're one step closer to finding out whether life exists on Mars... NASA scientists have announced that they have evidence which seems to confirm both frozen and liquid water do exist on the red planet's surface. Frozen and liquid water. Take a look at it in the big wall over here. That's Mars. That's, that's Mars. I know it doesn't look like Mars, but it is. You see those dark streaks flowing down? NASA scientists say those streaks were formed by streams of salty water. They say the streaks, the streaks form in the springtime, grow in the summertime, and disappear by the fall. Scientists say because water is essential for life, the findings could have big implications. When you look at Earth, uh, water is an essential ingredient. And and just about, well, not just about, everywhere we go where there's liquid water, whether it's deep in the Earth or um, uh, in the arid regions, uh, we find life. This is tremendously exciting. We haven't been able to answer the question, does life exist beyond Earth? But following the water is a critical element of that. Following the water is a critical element, which makes perfect sense. This doesn't. The next words in the teleprompter are, we want to know, do you think life exists on Mars? It says we want to know. I don't want to know because it doesn't (laughs) matter what you think. It's not going to change whether there's water on Mars. Life, it doesn't matter at all what you think. But if you'd like to share it, you can tweet us at Shep News Team. Meantime, let's bring in Corey Powell. He's editor-in-large for Discovery Magazine. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. This is not a popularity contest. The universe is, is going to do whatever it wants to do. What we think about it is not going to change things one How bit. do we know this water is salty, and what difference does it make? Well, the salt is actually how we were able to find it. Uh, it's, it's very hard to see water itself. Um, it's, you know, it's just like, like a reflection off a swimming pool. You, you can't really tell what it is. Um, what they saw is that there are these dark streaks, and they knew something was making them dark. Uh, and then they saw the salt showing up in the same place. Really, the only way you get salt flowing is if there's water carrying it. So the salt is the signature. It tells you that the water is flowing down there. Why it matters is, you probably heard water on Mars, water on Mars. You probably heard the story. For a while now. Yeah, for a while now, maybe more than you wanted to. People were often talking about water billions of years ago, that maybe once there was you know, a, a time. This is water right now. It means that there are aquifers on Mars. It means mm. there is liquid water there. and. It tells, it tells you if you want to look for life, now we know where to look. If you want to follow the water, now we know what to follow. It doesn't mean that there is life, but it means it's at least possible. Right. It's, it's sort of one more link in the chain. 
this is a it's a hard problem. And honestly, you know, we're 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 looking hard, but we're not looking that hard. You know, we're we're sort of doing measured resources here, and. You know, it's taken 10 years of detective work to figure out what these dark things are. Mm -hmm. It's a slow process. Um, Why couldn't we just send a probe up there? We could. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the, the way you'd really want to do it is you would have a rover and then a little robot that could kind of rappel down the cliff mm -hmm. and actually sample these things and test it. We have the technology to do that. It's just... There are a lot of things to do in the world, and people are not <laughs> people are not you know, saying hey, we've got to spend everything we need to do to to find life on Mars. But this is a big step. I mean, this and you know, and what it does is it also tells you you're not just looking blindly. If you if you're going to go back, you can do it in a very targeted way. You know where to look. You know what you're looking for. Everywhere on Earth where there's water, there's life. Doesn't mean there's life on Mars, but it means if there is life on Mars, we can have a much better idea where to look. And. If, if you, we were to get a sample of this water, and let's say there's some sort of life in there, how, what, what might that life be like? Do we have a way of knowing that? Well, yes. And so I guess one of the questions is, do you, you, know, do you want to bring it back home? Do you dare bring it back home? Or do you try Ooh. to study it over there? Um, that, that's a whole other question about, you know, we don't want to contaminate Mars with any life here, and we don't want to contaminate us with, uh, with anything that's there. What you'd really want to know is, is life on Mars the same as life here? You know, not as not not the exact same thing, but does it work the same way? Does it use DNA? Does it live the same way? Uh, one possibility is that life on Earth actually came from Mars. Life started on Mars. Oh, I hope that's true. I, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Um, why, why would that be? Well, because uh, in some ways, w long ago, Mars was a better place for life than Earth was when the, when the planets were first forming. And... When asteroids hit, they knock stuff out, they knock lots of rocks out into space, and amazing as it seems, bacteria can live for thousands, maybe even millions of years in a rock floating through space. So it's possible that germs from Mars got knocked into space, came to Earth and said, hey, it's not so bad here, and they colonized. Um, the really cool thing, though, would be if the life is totally different. If it's totally yeah. different, then, then you know there's more than one way you can do this. Yeah. That's the thing that would be really exciting. That would be insane. Yes. I like the idea of us all kind of being one in Mars. Like, we might all be Martians. But we, I like it. We're not <laughs> even green. Yes. It's good. Uh, when will, we, when will we, we be able to do something besides know there's water there? When will we be able to do some testing? Are there any projects underway? Right. Well, there, there, there are two things that I'm particularly excited about. One is there's a rover that NASA is sending to Mars in 2020, uh, and this one's going to have radar. A ground penetrating radar, and so if there's an underground aquifer, it might be able to see it. It might actually be able to map water on Mars. And then NASA is supposed to be collaborating with the Europeans to bring samples back. Um, it gets back to that question of, you know, you want to be really, really careful when you do it. Um, but that's something that could happen just like in the next five or ten years, wow. and that will tell us a lot. Thank you. Corey Powell from Discover Magazine. Nice to see you. Good to be here. I love this kind of stuff. Space news, discoveries, NASA. It's, it's fascinating. Awesome. It really, really is. So with that, I hope you are as fascinated as the two of us, chronic arguers. <laughs> Can't help it. I know. It's terrible. Listen, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. We are back at it. We'll see you on Monday. If you have anything you'd like to add, 657-464-7609. If you have a, a spare 60 seconds and you'd like to counteract L. Samaroff's one-star review, please help us out. Go to iTunes and leave your particular rating and review.
we would appreciate it very much. If you'd like to support the show, other than listening, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, you can follow our Amazon affiliate link into Amazon to buy whatever you're going to buy. If you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, why not help support your favorite twice-weekly show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comment? For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. It is so difficult to listen to these two argue constantly. <laughs> they don't even like each other. <laughs>